This is episode 104 of the EdTech Takeout from Grant Wood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and as always, I'm joined by Mindy Carney. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. It is a great rainy day for oh, a gosh. podcast. Yes, but it is. It's not a Friday afternoon, though, so we're in business. Yeah, it's right. going to all gonna go smooth. seamlessly. Yep. Yeah, yep. no edits. No edits. Okay, we'll s- challenge accepted. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. <laughs> All right, news and follow-up, what you got? News and follow-up. Let's start with some Google stuff. Okay. Have you seen the practice sets that are coming to Google Classroom? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I could say that I've seen them. I read about them. I thought, um, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. Practice sets will give teachers the time and tools to better support their students from more interactive lessons to faster and more personal feedback. Yeah, so like my understanding was that the feedback was going to be kind of AI-ish though, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, watched, I watched a video of it and yeah. it was kind of interesting. It reminded me of an app we've talked about here on the podcast called mm. Socratic by Google. Okay. Where, you know, it came, you did some math or something yeah. and in the side it gave you like some step-by-step directions yeah. to help you and things like mm-hmm. that if you got the question wrong and right. it all used artificial intelligence for that. So it looks a bit like that. Yeah. Currently in beta. Right. They are testing it with some schools and it will be available within Google Classroom for any educator using the teaching oh, and learning upgrade. Sure, sure. Or Google Google Workspace for Education Plus. Yes. That sounds like the deluxe version. I think it is. So yeah. if you are on the free version of Google Workspace, yeah. this is probably not coming to you anytime Ever. soon. <laughs> Maybe Ever. <laughs> maybe you could sign up for the beta yeah. and get in there because yeah. uh, they do have a link for that, which I can put in the show notes. Yeah. But, you know, this adaptive learning thing is very popular mm-hmm. in yep. like blended learning classrooms yeah, and things sure. like that. So yeah. I can see why they're doing it. Yeah. I'll be really curious to see. I think the – the um, I only saw a screenshot. I didn't watch a video about it, but it was specifically math, which I, I mean makes sense. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what it looks like. We'll see. Yeah. There is another update for Google Classroom. This time you are able to schedule posts for multiple classes, which I think is interesting. Um, I didn't realize you couldn't already do this. Well, you can schedule things to go to multiple classes, but it goes to everybody at the same time. What this lets you do is pick individual dates and times for each class. So you can have one assignment or one whatever and say this class gets it on Monday, this class gets it on Tuesday, this class gets it on Wednesday. So that's been a much requested feature. Yeah. No, when I saw it, I was like, I feel like I thought that already happened. So I guess not. But okay, that helps clarify. I warned you about the next one, um, Um, and you said I was setting you up for failure. Yeah. So here it is. Okay. Um, Google Sheets have doubled the cell limit. What do you think the cell limit is in Google Sheets, maybe before they doubled it? Like in rows? Rows and columns? The number of total cells you can have in a Google Sheet. Um, 100,000. Well, this might blow your mind a little bit. Because in 2019... They upped it to 5 million cells. And now in it is. In one up, sheet? And now it is up to 10 million cells. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to think about that type of spreadsheet. I don't want to ever use a spreadsheet with <laughs> it, a million with cells, let alone 10 million cells. It's like. Oh my gosh. That's a wow. ton of tabs. That's, That's a, ton a ton of, of tabs. cells. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of data. Yeah. Mm, I won't be using that. No, I won't be testing that. Mm -mm, No, Mm -mm. okay. All right. Uh, Let's move on to some Apple stuff. Yeah. Um, Did you try the universal control for iPad and Mac? You know what? I looked at this and then I went, so we have brand new Macs. Yes. Um, I went in and... Pause there. Oh. You have brand new Macs. You don't have a brand new Mac? I don't have a brand new Mac. Oh. Lynn Mm. Klangmeyer got my Mac. Oh, God. (laughs) Because hers broke, her brand new Mac broke, broke and she yeah. had to get another brand We're new Mac. We're not highly recommending it right now, but um, yeah, so I watched the video because I wanted to try it. Because I have used the Sidecar app, or Sidecar, it's not, it's yes. not an app, really, right? I know, it's yeah. function, I guess, or feature. Um, but I didn't feel like universal control was where they said it was going to be in that video. And so I had a, just like a hot minute to look at it a couple of days ago. And I'm like, oh, I'll have to watch this more focused later. 
So, so it's kind of a typical kind of Apple feature. I yeah. think it's you need multiple Apple devices in right. order for、Three. this to work. Two or more. Two or more. So yeah, yeah you, it's kind of an entitled feature. But、yeah. if you put your iPad next to your Mac, yeah, you can have a unified experience with the keyboard and mouse. So you can take your mouse you know, on from your Mac and then just slide it straight over to your iPad. Start、yeah. controlling things on your iPad. Open apps.、Yeah. Type. On your iPad with your Mac keyboard, yeah, and then drag things back and forward between the screens. Could you do that with the Sidecar? Could you type on your? I know the mouse worked, but could you type on your Mac keyboard and it work on your iPad? Because I always have an iPad keyboard, so I guess I never tried that. I think you can, but it's、yeah. only because it's like it's like a dual monitor type thing.、Oh, so、yeah. you you just send a window over, over to, to on Sidecar, yeah. yeah. But you can't drag things in between the screens、yeah. and go back and forward with your cursor. I don't think、mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I yeah.、Mm-hmm. There is another Apple news item、okay. I put on the. This is new to me. Docket here.、Yeah. Yes, Apple announces a new coaching program for educators. So you're probably familiar with like the Apple Distinguish Educator program.、Right. Mm-hmm. This is the new Apple Learning Coach program, which just came out、uh, as we record a couple of days ago. Okay. And it is free professional learning program that trains、yeah. instructional coaches, digital learning specialists, and other coaching educators to help teachers effectively use Apple technology in the classroom. So I showed this to Bridget because、mm-hmm. Bridget has all the certified badges and things for all the edtech apps. Sure, sure. <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, I saw this one, but、oh. uh, I don't know if I have time for that right now. But yeah,、um, if you are interested in becoming an Apple Learning Coach,、hmm. there's going to be a link in the show notes. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, S- something else for your CV and your email signature and、yep. and all the things. <laughs> yep, you bet. All right, Canva. Canva's up next. Okay.、Yep. Um, I. Happened to see a person from Canva tweet this out recently, and、mm-hmm. it's a whole YouTube playlist on designing student activities inside of Canva. So they've got little short videos that are like three minutes or less, yeah. And they'll show you how to design a graphic organizer, how to do a storyboard, how to do brainstorming activities, infographics, posters, all the rest. So if you just want a little starter for some inspiration, like. Where do I even start? They、yeah. show you like where to find the templates and how to customize the templates and give you some ideas for how you might use it in the classroom. So short and sweet videos, but worth a look. Yeah, I just saw something the other day、um, that reminded me that you could add your own audio into Canva. I feel like I don't ever. I've been in there to use like. I feel like it was it last year when they started to do more of the animated like video stuff within Canva. Yeah,、I、did not remember that you could add your own video, but I did do that. Like, okay, last year when I used it, I saw I was like, oh yeah. You kind of forget sometimes when you you know aren't using tools as regularly that all the things that they can do. It's becoming a, a bit of a one stop shop yeah, for、really、multimedia、is. stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. And to follow up on that,、okay. I did happen to learn about something else this week inside of Canva that I hadn't seen before. It's、okay. called the Canva Character Builder app, which is a bit of a mouthful. But、yeah. you know, if you are inside of Canva and you've got that sidebar down the side with the elements and the shapes、yeah. and the pictures and things,、yeah. way down the bottom there's a more button, and if you click on there, you get all the Canva apps that you can link and add on there.、What? One of them is a Canva character builder. Okay. So you create these little people. You choose a head. You can choose their hair. You can choose their hair color, their skin color, their body, their、oh, clothes,、nice. and、yeah. their legs. And so you can make them do. You know, if they're some are running, some are standing, some are sitting. Oh, nice. And if you want to, you know, build a presentation or something with、mm-hmm. some consistent characters that are the same color, shape, size, yeah, all、right. the rest, then yes, you've got this little Canva character builder in there. Maybe you could use it for like、uh, comic strips or something too. Yeah. Build. Up some digital stories on there too. Yeah, huh? I did not know that. I didn't. I didn't know either. I think I always just go in there with a specific purpose, and so I don't ever dig around in Canva like 
I don't click on stuff in Canva. I just go in and get the, whatever I need to make done. <laughs> Sounds yep. like maybe I should spend some more time in there. That's awesome. It's a hidden feature. I okay. only learned about it through an educator called Katie Wardrobe. Really? We've talked about her on the podcast. Yeah. She's an Australian educator and she does really great things. Maybe we should have her as, as a guest sometime. Sometime? Let's do it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so up next, Surf to You, Piping Hot is our main course, Ed Tech and Music with Katie Wardrobe. Welcome, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Long time listener, yeah. first time guest. Oh, <laughs> we're so happy that you're here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what your education journey has been? Yeah, um, well, I work with music teachers and solely on training them in technology-related things. So uh, it's lots of fun and it was a completely accidental job. And and I work for myself, so I don't work for a school or a district. We don't even have districts here really as such anyway in Australia, but uh, just do it all myself. And uh, it it was really accidental. I I did my education degree, music education, and... I kind of thought I'd quite like to see what else is out there before launching into a full-time teaching job because I knew that if I got into that, that would really be ish. I'd I'd probably be there forever. (laughs) Both my parents are music teachers, were music teachers. They're they're sort of kind of semi-retired now. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I had a few jobs here and there and uh, a friend of mine was working for a music software company called Spalius and they do, uh, it's, it's basically desktop publishing for music. So... I was using it a little bit, and this is back in the, I don't know, mid-90s, no, it must be a bit later than that. Anyway, sometimes I, he said, oh, why don't you come and work for the, you know, for Sibelius? And so I did, and I had never really left education-related jobs. I'd always done bits and pieces to do with education, and that's that's really my passion is teaching people something so I started at Sibelius and and it was great because we would go out and we'd present at conferences. We were, you know, in the, the expo hall and, you know, sort of training teachers on how to use the software and running workshops and that sort of thing. And the other part of my job was um, tech support for the, for the software. So for one or two days a week, I had to do tech support. And I was not tech savvy at all. I knew Sibelius, <laughs> but I was not tech savvy in the slightest. And so I had this yeah. massive crash course in operating systems and school networks because teachers would try to get, st- you know what it's like, they try to get stuff going at school and there's barriers and things go wrong and, you know, you find out it's not them, it's actually just, you know, something's blocked at the school. <laughs> and I just had mm-hmm. this horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, hate, I hated that. Those days I hated. I just wanted to be out training the teachers and working with the software. I, I had dreams of them ringing up the tech support line saying, you know, how do you put triplets into Sibelius? And all they'd say was things like, you know, I've got no sound. There's no sound coming out of my computer. I can't work. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting because my dad is a, one of those semi-retired music teachers too. And I know one of the, one of the software he used to use a lot was that Sibelius, um, among go. some other things. So I've seen him using that. He's had, you know, his keyboards plugged into the computer and that's stuff. It. And, Yep. transposing my, it all and, and all yeah, that good stuff. So That was one of the problems. Yeah. My, my MIDI keyboard, I can't get sound from my MIDI keyboard. Okay. And then tech support over the phone. And there was, you know, not really, there's no Zoom at that time, you know. So yeah, it, it just, sure. it was really hard work trying to, trying to sort of help people out. But but it, the great thing was it gave me this massive crash course in, in all the technology stuff. And uh, when my job finished there, I, I sort of thought, well, I was doing all this training for that, that software company. I'd quite like to continue doing that. And I just need to like fill my the part-time job I had, just fill up those hours again in my week. And so I started running workshops in schools and that, that was great just in Melbourne here where I live. And then that grew to traveling to other states in Australia and doing some training there. And I started adding other programs into my repertoire. And then I, I suddenly discovered the world of ed tech. And I think I feel like everybody that I follow on Twitter, we all joined Twitter in about 2008, 2009. Like everybody yeah, joined at me. that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so weird. And I met I met so many people in the States at that time through, through Twitter. And I really learned so much about just ed tech in general. And I thought, you know, the music teachers, all these tools are completely relevant and useful for them too, but they don't seem to know a lot about 
um, either how to use them or how to particularly apply them to music. And I could see all these things that they could do. I'm like, oh, that's so easy to see the connection there. And so I started training in all the other stuff as well. And uh, it just really grew from there. And I was doing all these in-person workshops, but then people from the States would say, are you ever coming over here? Could you maybe come and do training? I'm like, well, it's kind of hard. <laughs> but, and then yep. online stuff. Uh, in, I, was, <laughs> I was a pioneer of WebEx, <laughs> running online courses in the very early days. And it was, it was such hard work. It was such hard work. Zoom wasn't around at that time. And it was really tough to do. And I, I did manage to do it though. And, you know, it sort of just grew from there and the online thing I, I've kept going all that time and I was well placed when COVID came along because everything I do now is online. So yeah, so I, I, I just have my, my website, Midnight Music, and have a lot of blog posts and that's grown to having guest writers and running workshops still uh, and running an online community, which is like a paid subscription thing where all of my courses are and yeah, it's it's been really good. The online thing's been really good. <laughs> yeah. I think you I think you picked up on one of the things there that is a challenge for people like Mindy and I when we go out to schools and we do that training and things the music teachers and maybe like maybe the art teachers sometimes are are the and maybe PE and things like that those teachers are right kind of on the edge of our reach in terms of you know the kinds of examples and things that we might have for for things because yeah. we we do like a whole te- whole staff training or something and somehow we've got to find something for ELA and for Everybody. science and social studies and for yeah. art and music and and all the rest and it's harder sometimes for us to make those connections if you don't have that background absolutely and on the other side of that that they go to those sessions and i know this like we i think you have similar to to us here we have like a compulsory pd day at the like the beginning of the school year and there's a few more throughout the year and usually the staff are all thrown in together and the music teachers they're like i just don't see that it's at all relevant because they can't i find that they they find it difficult to translate the examples that are shown for history and social studies mm-hmm. and all of that into oh well that's similar to the way i might do this in the music class and so i think that's why they like my webinars and workshops so much because it's all yeah, it's sure. very music specific and yeah but I sit there translating and going, oh, there you go, we could totally <laughs> change that, and mix that up and stuff. Yeah, it is hard. It's really hard. But all the same tech tools are completely as useful for the music teachers as they are for the, you know, all the other teachers too. So what would be like your top three tools that you tend to share with teachers that um, are great for music teachers but would be great for all teachers? We, I mean, we, we really use a lot of the same the same things. So uh, for us, I mean, the the recording, obviously recording of any sort, whether it's audio or video or a combination of both, is so super useful for music teachers and in so many ways. And I think that they translate across all, again, across all subjects, really. Um, so the, the programs that record audio, but also MIDI as well. So you can sort of uh, play on the screen, play a keyboard, but it can sound like a trumpet or you know, a a bass guitar, or it can sound like any instrument you want. So you've got access to a whole range of instruments in a software program without actually having those instruments in your room, which is super useful. But for music teachers, obviously, creativity, like um, composing and, and that sort of thing is fantastic in those programs. But those are also great for creating other things like um, podcast episodes, like students having pod- creating their own podcast episodes as a substitute yeah, for, for sure. writing an essay instead. You know, it's a it's a great way to present any information. So, I think those sorts of programs are, are really great. So, in that category, the most popular ones definitely with the music teachers are Soundtrap and BandLab and GarageBand. And there's, you know, about 700 others as well, <laughs> more complex <laughs> ones, but those ones are, are really, really popular and uh, just so, so useful. Soundtrap and BandLab, now that there are options that are web-based, that's become such a great thing. Um, in the early days of me running workshops, I, I had to find things that would work on Mac and on PC because there wasn't web-based things. Or if there was, the internet was so bad that you couldn't possibly use it anyway. So um, those those three programs alone have just really shifted the, the landscape, I think. But they're so, so super useful. Storytelling exercises. I, I do like a storytelling workshop where we record a story, but we make all the background 
background music for it as well and sound effects and add in intro music and outro music to it. And, and again, that's something that could be done easily by a non-music teacher as well. Um, I actually put together a, a – I'll have to give you the link. There's a little YouTube video I put together of – it's me using GarageBand on the iPad, but you can easily do it on other programs too. And it's about creating spooky music and you don't need to have any music background to do this. So I show you how you can bring up an instrument <laughs> promises, and make a spooky set. Yeah, no, seriously, you'll watch it, yeah. you'll see. <laughs> so you can open up just the piano instrument and you just find some notes that are really close together and, and tinkle them really softly or hold a single note down, which is really low and it makes a drone sound. And as soon as you add this low, long note behind any serious sounding, you know, story that you're reading out, suddenly it sounds like it's a horror movie. <laughs> so uh, really easy techniques. And so that could be something interesting for like a, a language teacher in the classroom and they're, yeah. they're creating a poem or writing a story or something. And then after they've written it, they could um, think about what music might be, you know, most appropriate for that. So they could definitely yeah. use some apps for things like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Other than that, though, um, anything video is, again, so super useful. Um, Flipgrid is a huge one. I mean, the the music teachers, you know, Flipgrid, you sort of go there and they talk about, you know, just um, student voice and, and just creating a response to a question or, or something like that. But if you think about the music teachers, they need to gather assessment of some sort from the students like they need to see a student performing a rhythm or singing a, a phrase or singing a whole piece that they've been working on or playing their guitar or um, you know clapping some some phrase and sight reading a rhythm and to have something like Flipgrid where you can just easily set up the topic and say this is what I want you to do hit record bang done here's the video gathered together in one place and the teacher can just see everything together that was a huge change as well because before that, teachers had to see the student in person one at a time. And if you've got 600 students in an elementary school, you know, that yeah. takes a long time to get through all the kids for assessment. So, so things like that where you can gather all the assessment, they can do that sometime at home or after class or set some time aside in class to do it and they can all do it simultaneously and yeah and then then the teacher can go through that afterwards so that's that's just been fantastic and screencasting I'm always going on about screencasting with the, the teachers as well I mean screencasting for so many reasons really tutorial videos is an obvious one but um, again the students can use that to record themselves performing singing, playing, whatever it is. Uh, and then I, I, I created a video course for the teachers, like learning how to make their own videos um, beginning of 2021 or so. And one of the things that they can use the screencasting software for is to make play-along videos. I don't know if you've – I mean, you've probably seen it on YouTube. You know, you can bring up a YouTube video, there's a, a music track that plays, and on the screen it shows – the notation of what the students are going to play in time to the music and it goes through the video and it highlights the note that they're on in time and then it switches to the next rhythm and these were they're so useful for music teachers particularly elementary and so I, I worked out you can you can easily make your own play along videos with google slides you set up all your your visual information on google slides you hit record on the screencasting software you get the song to play you change through the slides in time to the music mm. and then you've made okay, your own play-along video. And it, that works really well. So, yeah, so just it's about that sort of reimagining how these tools can be used specific to music. So, um, you know, all these other teachers are using them in very different ways. But, yeah, it's, it's really great. Yeah, really good. I think Flipgrid was a big one during, certainly during the pandemic and things for, for teachers. I mean, it's so versatile. You could use it for, like, I don't know, reading fluency passages or musical performances or, you know, high school speech and, you know, any of these types of things. It's, it's, it's a really popular tool, I think. Such a huge one, yeah. I ran a webinar at the <laughs> beginning of 2020. I, I, in March and April, I ran like five webinars for free and I had so many teachers joining in. But um, I did one on Flipgrid and I think I, think I had 3,000 teachers go, come to that one. Just that one wow. alone because it was so huge at the time. Uh, numbers have dropped off a bit now <laughs> since then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Katie, I also came across, I was looking just, you know, through your resources, you do a really great job of um, 
sharing out all of the things you do. And um, I was always loved QR codes in my classroom. And I saw something that that's one of your favorite things too. Yeah, right, the totally. QR codes. Yes, thank you for Do you reminding wanna, me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I think it's super interesting. Oh, because I I discovered QR codes. I mean, they've been around forever, forever. And it's funny because uh, I, I feel like only now I f- everybody kind of knows what a QR code is. And oh yeah, I know. I know how to do that. I can, you know, my phone accesses QR codes through the camera. It's so easy. I was running a workshop. I actually checked the date when I ran the first workshop. It was back in 2013. Oh my. And I ran a, a whole workshop on, yeah, how to use QR codes in the music classroom. And the thing I love is that, um, you know, if you're a music teacher and you want to display student work in some way, it's it's fine. You can put a picture of the notation that they've done. But sometimes your project, the more important thing is the audio aspect, obviously. So you want to hear the student singing or performing or even talking about their composition. So I wrote this because or, you know, this is this is what inspired me at this point. And I just thought, gosh, it would be so great to be able to have a visual display that connects the audio component as well. And so I ended up uh, kind of looking at the time, it wasn't as easy. You had to sort of have a separate QR code creator website to make your QR code. And then I was like, okay, what are we, where's the audio going to be? Like you scan the QR code, I want the audio to play. So then I worked out the audio just needs to live online somewhere. So that could be on SoundCloud website where you can store audio or it could just be in Dropbox because Dropbox is online and it gives you a link or it could be in Google Drive and that's online and it gives you a link. So you grab your link for the audio file, you go to the QR code at the time, the QR code creator website, make a QR code and then the person can scan it and it pops up with your audio file and they can hear the student singing or playing or talking or whatever. So I thought, wow, there's so many uses for this, you know, just just displaying work. So I, I showed examples and I ended up, the teachers in the workshop created their own, but I started off introducing what is a QR code by making them go on a QR code scavenger hunt. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I had this whole thing fun. about the blues. Yeah, I did a whole unit of work on the blues, you know, the musical blues, and um, put things up. And they had to kind of, in a team, go around and scan a QR code. And there was a, a like a question, and then they had to find the answer when they scanned the code. And they they went to somewhere to, to find the answer. It might be a YouTube video where they had to listen to something and work out what, what's the instrument that plays the solo in the second verse or something like that so there was so many uses for it and um i'm just so happy that people know what they are now and they're so much easier to create that that little button in chrome you know your chrome browser you can just create generate the qr code right there so that's been really useful but this idea so like i ended up calling it the singing wall because you could have a wall display with student work on it and then posters and each one can have a, a QR code attached to it hmm. where parents or other other students can listen to the, the students singing or, or something. <laughs> so, yeah. I remember always thinking when I mated them that eventually QR codes were going to go away and yes. I was going to yeah. find sunk, too. Yeah. you know, <laughs> I did and now too. that you can find them like on a beer menu in a restaurant, I feel yeah. like they're here to stay. <laughs> <laughs> they're back. You're not wrong. So, I mean, I don't think Mindy and I would call ourselves musicians. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for you here, Mindy. Is, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, every so often I see some things that are musically, you know, inclined and I, I, it kind of fascinates a little part of my brain there. So I linked a little clip in here and I think you've probably seen it before from um, Phineas O'Connell on the Jimmy Fallon show. And he talks about, you know, how, you know, he and Billie Eilish are are putting sounds into their their music that are just like everyday sounds out there and it's just when when you when you hear the music you don't think of it as well oh, that's a weird random sound you just think it it's the music and i think there's there's becoming more and more examples of that sort of thing but before we go into that i was going to just ask you about that specific video is that what a crossing signal sounds like in australia yeah, is, is that really what it sounds <laughs> yeah. like and it's so okay. funny because every time i go to the states there's there's things you know 
in America where I just go, really, is this a thing? And, you know, I've had a couple of friends come out here. I have a great friend, Barb Friedman, who is a music teacher in, um, she's in New York and she comes out and she does, what is, what is this yeah. <laughs> at the crosswalk? <laughs> uh, we don't even call them crosswalks here, but. <laughs> you don't call them crosswalks? Okay. Well, in, in the video, he talks about the, yeah. the sound, the beep you get when you are able to cross the road. And it was, he was like, that's a really rhythmic, yeah. nice sound. I like that. And he, he recorded it and he put it into his music and it sounds like hi-hats on a, on a drum or something. And it really you would does, you would yeah. never know. You would never know the difference. But this isn't like an isolated incident, is it? There's lots no, of people no. doing stuff yeah, like this now, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And he's, um, yeah, that sound that he captured. So you, you turn up to the, the traffic lights where you want to cross the road and you you... When it's not green for you to walk, it, it's basically beeping slowly. So there's a, a slower version of what he had in his um, recording. So oh, it's yeah. just sort of beep, beep, beep. And then when it goes green for you to cross, it goes digga, 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 like that's the sound <laughs> that he recorded. Um, and the funny thing is, I mean, they, they've done that for people who, who can't see. So they know yeah. when to cross the road. Uh, but we all rely on it now. So if that ever does not work at the lights, people just, oh, what, oh, it's time to cross now. <laughs> you, know, you just. I feel like I, if I heard a sound like that, I'd want to run across the road. It'd be like. It's not like a slow walk, is it? That one. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's. Um, I don't think it's uncommon at all. And um, this is. Oh, it's such a, a thing that I've been totally fascinated for about for for years. Um, this whole idea of capturing um, found sounds. So that's what you, the terminology that people would use in the music world is found sounds because they're just sounds from the everyday world. And capturing found sounds is such a great project for students to do. And there's so many layers. You can do a really simple version or something more complex. And um, I have done, again, workshops on that for, well, probably since I started running workshops in about 2009 in all sorts of formats. And you can do something as simple, and this would be something for a non-music teacher could possibly do, is just to have students capture, as in record sounds from their environment, but you can set them some parameters, like I want you to capture a high sound and a low sound or a, a rough mm. sound and a smooth sound or a beautiful sound or a, you know, so you can talk about musically then if you want to sort of relate that to back to music, you talk about timbre and texture and, you know, the sorts of effects or the, the feeling that the sound gives you. So that's one aspect, but... The next stage, particularly in for music educators, might be to take the sounds that the students have recorded and then they can do a little thing where they can edit that sound. They can make it higher or lower in the recording editing software. So you can transpose it up or down. You can make it go slower or faster. And you can morph a sound in so many ways from a single sound, you could get a whole scale of notes if you want to. You can sort of pitch the note if you want to, even if it's even if it's a door knock. You could turn it into a sort of a pitched sound. And then the next stage would be to put that together in some sort of composition. So I've been obsessed with this idea. <laughs> and so I've done a few things. Um, NASA actually, they have a whole library of sounds. And this is sound effects, not sound effects, it's sounds from missions that they've been on. So there's a mm. sound of a, a Kepler, I don't know, there's just sounds from outer space that they've recorded and they've made it all available, Creative Commons license available. You can go to their SoundCloud account and download everything. But they've also made available um, famous speeches and things that astronauts have said. So there's the, you know, one small step for man and all of that. You can mm -hmm. download that and use that freely in your project. So I did this whole project where <laughs> it was like, Taking the NASA sounds and you can take us, you can shorten something, make it really short or make something longer and repitch it and then put together a whole musical composition. So I made this whole like it's short 30 second composition from just sounds from space, you know, and, and put it together in the, the editing software. Um, is it the guy that I follow? Uh, on YouTube and again I've been obsessed with his stuff for for a long time called Andrew Huang and he makes he does regular music videos but he has a whole series called a song, the song challenge and his song challenges involve him taking a single object and making music from that single object. And he has the best video editing skills. So if you look up his channel, any of his videos are just fantastic. But he will he will tweak them, but he has the visual component too. So it's kind of like sounds popping in and out. And they're, they're humorous. He does a lot of... Um, 
he takes a song like, you know, Ariana Grande did the Seven Rings song. So it's Seven Rings performed on rings. And he did 24 Carat Magic by Bruno Mars performed on carrots. And so he took carrots and made sounds out of carrots and then made <laughs> the song, like a cover version of the song using carrots. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, yeah, it's just such a great project. I think some kids see like music as, as a barrier. Like I'm not musical. I don't play instruments. I, and things like that can kind of lower that barrier of entry sort of thing. If all I have to Absolutely. do is like bang on a chair and record it or like scratch on the wall or something and yeah, just throw those absolutely. into a, an audio editor. It's it's not too dissimilar from like, I mean, if you've edited the video, you could probably edit audio. It's the same type of thing, moving absolutely. tracks around and, and shortening and adding stuff and yeah. changing the speed. So yeah, I say this to music teachers in the other way. I say if you want to do video editing, it's very similar to the music editing you might have done in a in a soundtrack type program, you know. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I think that that barrier. I think um, a lot of people, Soundtrap, GarageBand, and BandLab have loop libraries, so there's snippets of music ready made in there, and there are some teachers who see that as a cop out. Like it's just it's too easy, you know. You want the the student to make music from scratch, not to be using ready-made loops. But my theory is actually it's it's a fantastic in. And so you can start them off using these ready-made snippets of a drum pattern or, you know, a bass line. And then you get them to add over the top of that something that's original. And then eventually you sort of take off the training wheels and and take away, you know, you, you require them to make more more uh, music from scratch rather than relying on those loops. But it, it's a great way to get in. And yeah, but definitely the fan sound thing I, I love. Um, there's one video clip I'll, I'll give you a link for as well. There's a guy named Diego Stocco and he's done – his first big video was like music from a laundry or something like that, where he goes into a laun a laundromat and he's recording the steam machine and the, all this stuff. But he's done this other one, which is the one I show, and it's literally he's mic'd up a bonsai tree, and the bonsai tree is tiny, and the mic he found these microphones which were minuscule, and they're all he's mic'd up this tree, and he plays the leaf and the branches of this teeny tiny bonsai tree and he <laughs> records everything and he plays it all and it's a whole like piece of music and it's just the most ridiculous thing but amazing <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you a little bit about the TikTok challenges. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I put that in the document. <laughs> yes. So for our listeners, they know this. We have some show notes and links. And I happened to click on these TikTok challenges. Oh, yeah. I had not seen these before. Oh. <laughs> um, I am also a TikTok lover. Oh. Uh, I tend to stay in the Instagram Reels world, but it's all TikTok, too. Um, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about some of these TikTok challenges, what they are, and how you might use them in the classroom? Oh, my gosh. Because I, I love looking at current things. And then I think, you know, it's such a great, it's such a great, again, a great sort of entry point or capturing point for students, captivating point, whatever, whether it's a word. <laughs> but, you know, you, you can sort of hook into the things that are going on in their world and, you know, I, I wasn't on TikTok for a while and then I've got two teenage boys. So, you know, of course I end up on TikTok and mm -hmm. I had, I, this was the first time ever I felt like an old person and I, I had to get them to explain stuff for me. Like it was just the most, <laughs> I'm like, is this a thing then? Like, is, what, is, yep. what is this? Is this a thing? What is this? So why has someone taken someone else's video? And anyway, the first thing one of my boys showed me, he knows to look out for musical useful musical things for me when he's on his travels through youtube and tiktok and he showed me this um there was this this like a it's like a, a in the bathroom it's like a dispenser for the paper towel you know and someone had just recorded themselves taking the paper towel and it had a really rhythmic sound to it so then someone's taken that video and then duetted it that's a word apparently duetted and okay. duetted the video <laughs> and added their own video next to that and they added some other part and then a fourth person and a fifth person I was totally blown away by this concept like it it's collaboration you didn't the first person didn't ask for collaboration but it's just this that's mm. that is mm -hmm. what happens on TikTok it's this amazing yeah, collaboration it's like a remix platform. or something yeah it's like a remix so amazing 
So that led me into TikTok and I went down this total rabbit hole and I've literally deleted it from my phone and banned myself because I just, I will be on for hours, <laughs> so I have to be very careful. <laughs> but um, I discovered the challenges. So again, I say to the boy, is this a thing? Like, what is this thing? And I think the first one I saw where I was like, wow, that's so super useful for music teachers was this challenge that I think it's called, it's known as the triangle challenge. And there's uh, the same audio is used. Whoever does this challenge, it has to be the same audio, which for some reason is pentatonic singing Good King Wenceslas. It's so random. I mean, but, why not? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why, what else would you choose? And they um, it, basically, you're, it's like a conducting pattern. So if you were conducting a piece in three, four, you make a triangle shape while you're conducting. I'm doing the motions for those at home who can't see. It's <laughs> great for podcasting. Yes, really exactly. <laughs> and then when you get that going in right, your right hand, you add your left hand in doing a pattern, which is a four, a shape of a box. So it's a four pattern against a three pattern. And that's actually a really cool, complex thing to do in music, you know. And I was like, oh, this is such a great challenge for music teachers. You could take this challenge, get the kids to do it exactly as is, but then bring it back to conducting patterns and uh, Mm -hmm. meter in music, you know, and groups of three and groups of four and stuff. Anyway, so that led me on to about 7,000 other challenges, which were all really (laughs) useful musically, (laughs) which I thought would be good for music teachers to use in the classroom. So I'm like, there's so much here. I've got to do a blog post. So I did a blog post just about the challenges and described them and actually embedded the, the TikTok video examples in there. So you can just see everything on the same page. And uh, then that led me down this road of the, the duets and the collaborations as well, because they, these are phenomenal, amazing. And it's gotten to the point now where people, people invite others now to do a duet with them, as in, here's a baseline that I've recorded. Hey, why doesn't someone record a melody over the top? And, or someone will take, getting back to that found sounds thing, one of my favourite videos where there's a whole chain of duets with this one video it's the sound of a frog it's a little frog on a a log and he's just doing this rhythmic sound and it's got like a it's got a sort of a pitched note to it and people have added this whole jazz song over the top someone added a keyboard and a a bass line and a voice part and it's just great and I thought oh and I'm like how can we use Flipgrid to do this in the music mm-hmm. classroom yeah, there you go <laughs> but the, the collaborations are phenomenal and it led on to um I ended up doing a whole keynote speech about this about uh the inspiration from TikTok you know um but on a that was those things are on a small scale but on a really large scale there's been two musicals that I've written, know of, two stage musicals, like Broadway musicals, that have been written purely by people collaborating on TikTok. And the first one was about Ratatouille. So I won't go into it, you know, in great detail, but you can just go and look up Ratatouille, the musical. And it was all, it was invented on TikTok. Someone made a tiny snippet of a song and someone else said, you know what, that would be a great idea for a musical. And then they I put together this, this whole yeah. thing and... It, it yeah. was phenomenal. People started drawing costumes and inventing sets and doing fly-throughs of a fake stage for a musical that didn't even exist and yeah. makeup design and, like, it just grew and grew and they literally put it on. <laughs> They've done the, the Broadway musical now. It's just amazing. I could huh. have thought, all from TikTok. I just think it's, yeah, it's just so fabulous. <laughs> So, Katie, you have uh, lots of uh, great resources that we're going to link to in in the show notes here and let people find. But where would be a good place for people to go and and find all this stuff? Or could you do a podcast as well? Don't you? For, yes, for do podcast, a podcast fans. As well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, I do a podcast. The podcast is the Music Tech Teacher. And okay. I did have a little break. I had to I had to just take myself away from all the things uh, for a bit, but I'm, I'm back now, so I'm back on it again. Um, that's been a lot of fun. It's a great way to meet people and, and just talk about everything. Um, but just my website's probably the best place, midnightmusic.com or .com.au. You can go to either and it should take you to the same place. And, yeah, I've got all, all the things that are linked on there, the blog posts and, and everything else. All right. So you're going to stick around for Tech Nuggets as well? Yes, I'd love to. All right, my favorite part of the show up next is Tech Nuggets. There's a lot of Tech Nuggets. There here, are right? a lot of Tech Nuggets. I, I, 
and I have at least three on here somewhere. Oh I'm starting to wonder goodness. which ones are even mine anymore now. But <laughs> such um, a show off. Okay, I'll start. Okay, because most of mine are quite short actually. But uh, first one I'm going to say is Pageify, which. Um, well, I don't know how to describe this really, but it turns a Google Doc into a website. And I know there was a thing recently inside of Google Docs where you could uh, do a pageless format. Is that right? You go into file page setup and then you turn off pages and it's just one long scrolling thing. And it looks like a website, but you've still got all your toolbars and everything else at the top there. So this is a completely free tool. Uh, you don't need to sign up for anything. All you need is the publish to the web link. And you go over to gopageify.com and you stick it in there, hit generate, and it turns your Google Doc into a responsive website that works really well on desktop or on mobile. So you can have colored backgrounds and formatting and all the rest. And yeah, it just looks like a website. Which is kind of nice because when you publish that Google Doc, if you've ever done that, it's not. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not beautiful. Yes. So this fixes that maybe a little bit. Yeah, and they've got, they've got some samples on their website to show yeah. you before and after what that looks like. So check that one out. Mm-hmm. Me next? Sure, let's go to Mindy next. Mm, mine's quick too. So um, <laughs> I love Slides Mania. I think most people do. Mm-hmm. So I wish that I had the creativity... <laughs> To think up things like this, because now I can, and I can't remember what this woman's name is. Anybody? Paula. Um, is slides mania? Paula. Paula. Is it Paula? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. She has now created a toy claw machine template. What am I looking I at here? I know. Yes. Click so <laughs> I'm not really sure how in the world she's made this, but you can actually play the toy claw machine. Oh my gosh! Yes, you can. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I am looking for the educational value. Yeah, I didn't really care though because it was too cool. <laughs> I, I got an emoji. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I was mostly just intrigued about how she created it. Well, I think maybe your educational value is after you pull out an emoji, it takes you to another slide that says something like brain break eight or something. Yeah. And so you could put like a little uh, a little quiz on there, a little message, a little yeah. thing, a little right. problem. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just a fun way to get kids to, to do things. And you put random questions yeah. all the way throughout related to different emojis. And they when they get that emoji, they have to answer the question. And then once it's done, they go back and pick yeah. another emoji, right? Yeah. But it's so fun. I'm going to have yep. to reverse engineer that later. Yeah. <laughs> to see how she's done that. I know. I was like, I think I need to just dig into this somehow, how she did it. I have not yet, but I will. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Kind of right. fun. All right, Kitty, how about you give us one, a musical themed one? Yeah, I, I threw in three perennial favorites <laughs> for music. Okay. Just, um, the first one is Isle of Tune. And this is uh, it, it, difficult to describe, needs to be seen to be believed, but uh, basically it kind of looks a bit Sim, Sims-ish, like the game Sims. You mm-hmm. take a piece of road and you put that down on the big green area. You've got an island, so you, you lay your road down on the island, then you add another bit of road and another bit of road, and then next to your road you add some trees or bushes or houses and then you add a car to your road, and as the car drives past the houses or the trees or the bushes, it makes a musical sound. And cool. you can build a whole piece of music just by having your car drive past houses and trees. I love it. Now, that is the little trick is if it's, fab- it's fabulous. It's like totally does your head in. But kids, I, f- I feel like um, teachers, like music teachers that I, I talk to, and me even, like we, we think very traditionally and then you, you bring along something like this and it's really out of left field, but the kids really get it. Um, if you want to go to YouTube or even on that Isle of Tune website, they have examples, like people have shared, you know, um, examples. And um, there's one which is Michael Jackson Beat It. Uh, I think it's on YouTube somewhere as well. But uh, if you look that up, you, you can see the possibilities of what, <laughs> what you can do with Isle of Tune. 
This reminds me, I, I, was, I was down another YouTube rabbit hole one day, but there are such a thing as musical roads where they put yeah. grooves in the road so that as you drive over in your car at a certain speed, you hear a musical tune because the, yeah. the pitch changes depending on the grooves that they put in the road and things. And these exist in different parts of the world somewhere. So yeah. And I'll just say, for any teacher that wants to use Isle of Tune with their students, a fantastic introductory video to that is, you know, the band OK Go? You know how they've got those crazy, amazing videos? Yes. They have one where they're driving in a car and there's like things sticking out of the car window. Oh, I've seen that one, yes. Yeah, and they drive past things and it makes musical sounds. So it's just like Isle of Tune in real life. Mm. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. All right, I will do another uh, nugget here since we we got all the time in the world, right? I mean, <laughs> I've got a text chat animator, which I thought was kind of fun. You've seen these type of things before, I think, around where you create like a kind of a, a fake uh, text message conversation between people. And this does the same sort of thing, but it creates like a little uh, video or GIF that you can download and put in different places. So I think if you, you can have up to like four different people, I think, um, talking in this imaginary text conversation, but you could have maybe some historical figures on there. You could have some people from the news talking about things and have students think about how would these people be communicating with each other? What would they be saying to each other? What would the messages be? And so, yeah, you get this uh, little live preview of the scrolling text message and you can download it and put it wherever you want once you're done. So it's chat-animator.com. I like that one. You do? Yeah. I mean, I feel like simple. there was another one we, I used to share all the time. And I can't remember what the name of it was. It's probably gone. Yeah. Probably long gone by now. Um, okay, so I feel like this one is the gateway to the black web. Oh, my. <laughs> the dark web? <laughs> but that's what I meant. See, I don't even know. That's where the <laughs> NFT lives. That's how often you go there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is called Pine Tools. And it's got all these different tools all on one site and it has like a percentage calculator within the mathematics category um let's say it has an invert a color within the colors category so you can upload an image and invert the colors Hmm. um it has this is where i think it gets into the dark web there's some (laughs) things that say like the j j s o n do we say the JSON? JSON. Okay, thank you. Formatter. Right. I don't know what that is. These are coding things, I yeah. think. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's a base 64 encode. Do we know what that means? I don't know what that means. I no. feel like it's because it's on the dark web. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, there's a coin flipper, dice roller, random number generator, just yeah. like all these weird things all in one spot. That does seem like a, a very unusual collection of things, right? That's why I yeah. feel like it's the gateway. Okay. It's yeah. the gateway to the dark web. Also found at pinetools.com, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like that 123 apps website, but on Yes, Sarah. it does look yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of Toy Theater, but with like a little bit more of a grown-up, yeah. older kid kind of thing. So, okay. Yeah. I dig it. It's weird. All right. Where are we going next, Katie? We're going to Incredibox. This has been, again, mm-hmm. a favourite. Um, I, I have been showing this in workshops since 2009. It's like the, the year. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, – basically there's an app version and a web version. So when you go to the website, um, you need to click on the word, I think, demo or something like that to get to the web-free version. And you – are presented with a, a guy and then you drag from underneath the guy, there's a little series of symbols just underneath where he is and you drag one of the symbols onto his body and he will start beatboxing or singing something and then another guy appears and then you can add, actually I think all the guys are there on the screen simultaneously mm-hmm. now, aren't they? They used to appear one by one. Uh, then you add another symbol onto another guy and he beatboxes or sings something different which matches really well with <laughs> the first guy and then you just keep building and building (laughs) so uh i think a lot of teachers see this as a bit of a novelty like friday afternoon activity but to be honest there's so many musical things you can do with this if you want to make connections to like proper lesson (laughs) lesson type things um but even for non-music teachers you could use this as a 
really simple way to make a backing track for something. So I know that a lot of a lot of students kind of learn quite well if you're speaking things rhythmically. So even if you take the times tables, you could just get this mm. going and do one times one is one, one times two is two, in, rhythmically in time to the music. And it just mm, adds something so like that they're that. doing something boring, repeating things by rote or whatever, but you've got a cool backing to go with it. So it's a nice one. And that's been around since 2009? It has. It has been yeah. around since then. Yeah. Wow. There's a number of things I show in workshops which uh, were around then and have survived all this time. So, yeah, I have a couple of blog posts with lesson ideas for music teachers if they want to <laughs> find out some more about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I got one more here that I happened to come across. Oh, it was worth sharing. It is an online video editor. And I don't feel like there's all that many options for online video editors sometimes. This one's called Runway ML. And I think the ML stands for machine learning or something. Because this one does kind of some interesting things. Like if you have a video of a person, it will remove the background even if you didn't film them in front of a green screen. And so then you can layer in a different background under there too. Uh, One of the other nice things it does is almost the opposite of that it will you can remove people from a video and just leave the background so you know sometimes when you're doing things people photobomb you or they're walk across or and you're like oh this would be amazing if that person wasn't there in the background and you can remove them just by painting them out the way um it's got a whole bunch of filters and text it does this amazing kind of text thing that you see in hollywood movies now where the text is kind of like behind the person but also in front of the person and again like i don't know how that works but they use these machine learning and stuff to do things like that so um you can do unlimited projects for free if you are exporting at 720p which i don't think is terrible i mean that's a decent resolution and they have other plans that that go up from there if you want more of a, a high resolution um thing they do apparently have discounts for students and educators. Uh, it's just not apparent what that is, but they have a link on their website where you can click here to reach out and they will talk to you about that. So if you want to try some machine learning, some artificial intelligence in your uh, video editing, then runwayml.com is worth a look. Very popular with the young love. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> just going to take him out. Oh, right. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take just, her out. <laughs> just erase that part from your, from your memory, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. All right, Katie, you get the last one then. This one is Beep Box. And this is a it's, – it's a really plain, ugly-looking <laughs> website for starters. It's black yeah. and brown. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I know. The guy could totally benefit from a little graphic design help. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a great website. So um, there's a – it's sort of like a grid and you can click on that grid to add sounds into your composition. So you're going to build something up, a composition here. Um, but if you click play, don't do it now, click play uh, yep. and then add sounds into the grid, um, they will play back for you. And the great thing is the grid is set up initially. You can actually alter this if you want to, but the grid is set up to use notes that all work with one another. So um, for the musically inclined, it's uh, using the pentatonic scale and pretty much everything goes with everything. So, yeah, so you can add notes into this and make a little, um, a short thing. Now, in the olden days, like a few years ago, (laughs) there was a default instrument sound setting, which was, and it's still there, but you have to now choose it, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, The default setting was like a, a, a square wave sound. And that sounds exactly like the Super Mario Brothers theme sound. So I use this a lot for creating video game music themes. And you can really, really simply build up a little, it'll keep looping back your, your thing that you're creating, but really simply create a little melody. And in fact, once you've made your melody on the the thing that you're looking at initially when you visit the website, you can actually click to another layer and add a second part and another layer and add a second part, another part, like a bass line, and then add a, a drum part as well. So it's a it's a it's a not the prettiest website, but it's really great. <laughs> it's really great to use. <laughs> I like it. So Beepfox. And the great thing about that is to share your work, you can actually download what you've created, but to share your work, you just copy the URL 
all of the information is saved into the URL and the URL ends up being about 100 characters long. It's the most ridiculous thing. So this is where, another, again, a QR code comes in handy if you want to just get a quick way rather than no one's typing in this address at all. But mm-hmm. grab the link. Students can send that to the teacher for them to have a look at. And, yeah, it's just fantastic. Really great. I like it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the EdTech Takeout. We are so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's just so great. Um, It's funny being a a guest on a podcast that you listen to all the time. So thank you for that. Were you disappointed? (laughs) (laughs) Was it everything you hoped it would be? You know what? Don't say it. It was everything I hoped it would be. (laughs) Oh, good. Good, good. All right. Well, I think that's everything we have uh, time for this week. Uh, We will be back when we are... Next time. Yeah, let's just say next time. Okay. (laughs) So until then. (laughs) This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.